Good morning. Oh, good. Somebody's awake. Um, I'm going to start actually a couple of verses beforehand so you have a little bit of the background for what the passage for today is. So I'm reading from Nehemiah chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 7. But when Sabalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps had been closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. The Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Now, as we've been uh, in this season, we've been doing our pulpit swaps. Um, and so I'm really excited to welcome our, our guest um, this morning, Leona. Leona, do you want to come on up? Yeah, give her a clap. It's great, great that she's around. Hello, good morning. It's, good. it's been great. Um, we had uh, Dave in our first week. We had uh, Nick Van Ruth. Um, the other week we had me last week. I'm not really a guest, but that's okay. And we have uh, Leona this morning. It's, it's great. Do you want to just, I guess, share what's your role at Hills and how long have you been in that role? Yeah, that would just be useful, yeah, I guess, for a I start. Can do well, good morning. I'm Leona. I'm one of the pastors at Hills. Um, I've been, pa like Josh, my husband, grew up actually in Olga Baptist, so maybe some of you know him lying in a little Mexicosi there, even. Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we have been part of Olga again. We lived overseas, came back, and started pretty much with a team who did the church plant, who met here in this hall. So we were here from the very beginning when the Verdun campus was planted out of Allgate. Um, I'm now the cross-campus ministry pastor, so that means that I oversee people like who run the youth group, the young adults, and all the care systems all across um, and preach. So that's quite exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> so that means you'll be my boss, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have coffee trend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're obviously going to figure all that out next year. But That's it. <laughs> it's been a really, really exciting yeah. time. Mm. Now, you may have picked up, you have a little bit of an accent. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you from originally? Well, I grew up, was born and grew up in Germany. Um, mm. Yeah, and I moved to Australia. Josh has obviously grown up here um, nine years ago. No, but the accent doesn't leave me, does it? It's just a part of me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to embrace it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and so, the English is obviously not your first language. No, it's not. No, no. So, I, du kannst ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen. Ich kann ein bisschen Deutsch sprechen, Frank, mit dir. Yeah. Ja, kein Problem. Yeah. <laughs> and recently, um, you, were, you and the family were also back in Germany, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, we went back home um, to see my family. Obviously, COVID meant that my children couldn't see the grandparents for three years, which has been a long time. And so we spent, um, oh, Josh was there for three, I was there for six and a half weeks with the kids. Mm. It was a really special time again to just see your loved ones eye to eye yeah. and hug and just be there with them. Yeah, mm. yeah. We never, um, before a pandemic hit, we never could imagine really could we how it all went backwards so quickly. Um, yeah, so it opened yeah. our eyes a bit. Mm. And even when you were overseas, you still zoomed into a meeting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all the amalgamation kicked off then, and there was this massive meeting uh, where we all came together, and I was in Germany at the time. But they've asked if I could zoom in, and I was like, yeah, more than happy to. Um, which well, is a massive blessing. And yeah. can I say also right now in this, uh, at this point, it has been fantastic to get to know you to get to know Nick, um, also what a man of God, so blessed to have him. Um, Bob, Yvonne were in the discernment team I was in as well. It's been such a blessing to get to, to, get to know you a bit more as well. Um, yeah, and just to see how the Lord is at work. Like sometimes I feel like we can only step back and see God moving, right? And it's not anymore about my little opinion. Or so it's, it's, you can just see God's hand on it. And it's been such a blessing to be a part of that. Mm. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you more. I'm sure our congregation yeah. is yeah. as well. You I can speak some, <laughs> speak some German to Joel and, and myself. And, uh, I'd love it. It'd be great. Um, I just want to pray for you before you thank come you, up and, um, yep. and, awesome. and preach. Um, so, yeah, it's really good. Dear Lord, we thank you for your servant, Leona, and her faithfulness and her ability which you've gifted her. May you be with her this morning as you've been with her in her preparation. Mm. May uh, her words become your words. And may we have open hearts to receive them mm. as the blessing that they are. Mm. Amen. Amen. Do you have the slide clicker? I did forget that. No, I don't, but I think he can do that. Okay. We talked it through quickly, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, he's capable, very capable. Okay. Talked to him beforehand, that was great. That's good because I, I don't like the double thinking here up the front. <laughs> but this is good. But yeah, thank you again. Um, it's... The series we are currently in, this whole Nehemiah series, what a series is it, eh? It's so amazing. I truly believe that we can get so much out of it for our personal lives. And I have the immense blessing today to look at Nehemiah 4, which is all about getting ready for persecution and for the opposition. What a topic. What a topic. Um, but before we get into this, I would like to ask you, just really personal between you and God, have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you committed your whole life to Jesus? Or maybe you, maybe you are here and you have got invited and you just um, heard about this Jesus man and you are sussing out church and sussing out what it is all about and, and you are in the season of discernment of what is actually happening in your life and if you want to trust this man or not. Maybe you are there. Or maybe you committed your life to Jesus years ago but you probably wandered off a bit. And there may be a few areas in your life that are not fully committed to him again. Well, as I was thinking about today's sermon, I thought I would start off to let you know a few promises that the Lord has given you, that if you commit your life to Jesus, what he will do for you. And there is, the Bible is full of promises. They're amazing, amazing stuff what he promises us. He says that he will give you life. 
He says that I'm for you and if you believe in me, I will give you life. Matthew 16 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever saves their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You will find true life if you commit your life to Jesus. That's an incredible promise. He promises to never leave you or forsake you, John 6. He promises you a reward in heaven. In fact, he actually promises you eternal life. That is incredible. That's a promise he's giving you. He, he speaks to you and he, he talks to you and he also promises you that he will reveal himself to you. He will give you a growing understanding of who he is of who this living God is here in this world. John 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Amen. That is so good. Jesus will call you his friend and he also says that he will plant his joy in your heart. And we could see all of this happening in the first few chapters of Nehemiah, couldn't we? We could. So if you haven't to listen to all the sermon and you were away, like go back and listen to the podcast. Um, it's just been an amazing season to really dig deeper into the book of Nehemiah and what it means. So I just strongly encourage you to go on Spotify and to listen to this again. But we could see all of these promises. Nehemiah heard, was a man, he heard the news that Jerusalem was in ruins, that the wall was broken down, and it grieved his heart so much. And he prayed to God all earnestly and honestly and he cried out to him and he said, God, what do we do? Do something, Jesus. Do something, Lord. And God planted a vision in Nehemiah's heart that he would be the man to go back to Jerusalem and build the wall. And this vision grew within Nehemiah and he got so excited and he, he was sitting there probably just thinking about it all, freaking out a tiny bit, I can only imagine as well. But then the Lord gave him the courage to talk to the king. And Nehemiah went and approached the king at the time. So what we need to know is, if you approached the king a bit wrongly back then, or if you said something that the king didn't like, you could lose your life over that. That was a pretty quick decision to be made. So Nehemiah stepped out in faith, and he approached the king. And the Lord gave favor for Nehemiah. The king listened to Nehemiah, and he granted him favor. And he didn't only support what Nehemiah said, but he also equipped Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and to be released into doing this work. In chapter 3, we could then see how many people participated in building the wall and in fact how quickly the wall was going up. And now we are in chapter 4, where the Israelites, where Nehemiah is facing opposition to the task that was given to him to the task where the Lord puts the vision in his heart. They faced opposition to what God was doing. So this chapter is about facing opposition. And this is another promise that God is giving you. That if you commit your life to Jesus fully and truly, and you are following him, he is promising you that you are going to face opposition. And that's a promise that we don't often like to talk about, do we? We like to all say the, all the lovely bits and pieces. But this is a promise as well. Because where God is at work in this world, there will be opposition. 
Because the enemy doesn't like, doesn't like that. And it happened to Nehemiah too. So let's read again Nehemiah 4, 7 and 8. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashtadites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward and that the preachers were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. A month of effort before of building this wall has shown remarkable results of what was actually happening. It was crazy how quickly this wall went up. Absolutely unbelievable. Considering the people that were building the wall, they were not all fully trained to do all of this. They were probably people like you. I've never built a wall. I mean, we may have some builders here in the room. I'm not, but there were normal people like you and I who were starting to build this wall. And yet, it was going up so fast. I can only imagine how the Israelites must have been so inspired to see this wall going up so quick. Be like, yes, we are. We are doing it. We are on this mission that God has given us, and it's actually happening. How exciting is it? However, back in Samaria, the tension was pretty high. And there was a leader and the official of the Persian Empire called Sambalat, and he was not happy at all. And he called Tobiah, and he talked to Tobiah about it, and he said, this can't be happening here. Do you actually understand what is going on? And they gathered all these surrounding leaders from the east and the south and the west, and they said to them, do you guys understand the gravity of the situation that is happening here right now? These Jewish people, they are building up the wall again, the city of, the, of Jerusalem. They're probably going to control all the trading in the area to come again, like they did in the past. Is this what you want? But we don't. So I think we need to be pretty quick right now. So what can we do? And I also think we need to understand in this moment that Sambalat and Tobiah had nothing politically in their hands at all to go against Nehemiah because Nehemiah had the blessing of the king. And Nehemiah also had all the resources he needed to build this wall. So they had nothing really in their hands. So what did they do? They talked Nehemiah down. They talked the Israelites down. And they talked the quality of the wall down. And they did this pretty well. They called them the feeble Jews. And they also said the sentence that if a fox climbs up on that wall, it probably crumbles into pieces. Wasn't quite as encouraging, was I? But you know what the crazy thing about it is, is that it's probably half true. It's probably half true. The Jews, as I said before, who were building this wall, were like it was a lot of normal people within it. They weren't like the biggest educated crowd from the biggest building company in all of the area there. It wasn't them. And the stones, they were all burnt. They were crumpled. There wasn't all the best quality of stones that anybody has ever seen. So it was probably altogether a tiny bit feeble. So it was half-truths almost being spoken over them and discouraged for them. But what Sambalat and Tobiah did not see and did not understand was the wider picture around it all. It was that it wasn't just Nehemiah and those people building the wall. It was God who did it. It was God himself who planted the vision in Nehemiah's heart. God's hands was on it. And this is something what Sambalat did not see. We can so often and so easily be discouraged in life, can't we? 
be starting to believe lies or things that are said over us or even half-truths maybe or discouragement over it and we can so easily take it on and, and start believing it and forgetting about the bigger picture, forgetting about the word or the work that God is doing in our lives and in and through us. I wanted to tell you a little story now. When my little daughter Cassie, she, she was here before, may have seen her. She's five years old and she's in reception. And I picked her up from school um, a couple of weeks ago. And, and usually she's quite happy, but on that day she came into the car and she was quite quiet. And I said, oh, Cassie, what's up? And then she actually started crying. And she said that one of her friends told her that her hair isn't as pretty as her friend's hair. And in fact, that she's stupid. So as a mum, your heart aches straight away, isn't it? <laughs> Don't you talk like this, no other child to my daughter. Like, like you're grieving. It's like what, like, what are these lies, right? And I turned over and I said, Cassie, if mommy now tells you that you're a banana, are you a banana? <laughs> and she looked at me, she started laughing. I got her laughing. She's like, mommy, no, I'm not a banana. And I said, of course you're not. Of course you're not. So who are you? What does the Bible say that you are? God said that you are fearfully and wonderfully created. This is what God said that you are. And in fact, if you follow him and you pray for wisdom, God even promises you that he gives you his wisdom. Well, let any human being tell you anyway that you are stupid. If you have God's wisdom in you, this is who we are. I believe that if we actually accept and understand our identity in God and who we are, then words and half-truths and lies over us or discouragement doesn't actually have to affect us a great deal. It's easier said than done. But I believe if we truly know who we are, then we can plant our security in Christ. And this is what Nehemiah had done in that moment. Nehemiah heard all these talks from all the people reporting back to him from each side. The Jewish people among themselves were talking, everybody was talking, but Nehemiah knew that the Lord was with him. If you follow Jesus in your life, if you commit your whole life to Jesus, you should not be surprised when you face discouragement in your life and opposition. Even Jesus did it. His whole ministry on earth, he faced opposition all the way up to the cross. The Romans were against him and even some, some disciples right, turned against him. Or tried not to know him for a little bit. You're going to face opposition. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12 that all who desire to live a godly life in this world will be persecuted. You know when I was thinking about it and I look back at all the apostles from the New Testament. I'm going to read it out because it actually um, is a bit crazy. The 12 apostles, how their life finished. This is the following. Judas, who betrayed Jesus, hang himself. James was executed by Herod. Peter and Paul were martyred. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was pierced by spears to death. Philip was killed. Matthew and Bartholomew were murdered. James was stoned. Simon was killed. John was the only apostle where it's believed that he died a natural death. I sometimes believe that we here in Australia are so far removed from all this thinking, aren't we? Like we don't actually have to be afraid of our life because we follow Jesus. And you know what a blessing that is? 
We should praise God for this every single day, how publicly we can meet here right now and praise the name of Jesus. This is such a blessing. It is not normal. Many, many people in this world are not living in this reality right now. I looked up the Open Doors webpage online and how they describe persecution and what, how, they, how they define it. And they say persecution is any form of hostility experienced as a result of following Jesus. This can look different for the hundreds of millions of believers who face persecution every day. For some, it is a denial of basic needs like water, food and healthcare because of their faith in Jesus or rejection from their non-Christian family and community. For others, Christian persecution is an act of physical violence, imprisonment or even death. Right now, there is hundreds of millions of people worldwide who are being persecuted only because they believe like you do in the name of Jesus. That's the only reason. That's all they're doing. Nothing else. That's enough for them to face persecution. Currently, the top country, the top five countries who are, um, where, where it's the most dangerous place to live as a Christian, and for the first time ever in world history, is Afghanistan number one since the Taliban took over. Open Doors has just clarified that Afghanistan is now officially, for the first time, the most dangerous place to live in as a believer of Jesus Christ. North Korea is second, Somalia third, Libya fourth, and Yemen fifth. Can I encourage all of us here, while we enjoy the freedom that we have here in Australia, to really commit to prayer and to pray for our brothers and sisters all over this world. All they do is they believe in the same Lord. We are building the same church worldwide. Australia is not even on the top 100 list. In fact, I, I believe we can't just fathom what these people are going through. However, it is promised that if you truly commit your life to Jesus, that you're going to face opposition. So we may not fear of our, of our life here right now, but you may experience different things. You may maybe experience that your family is against you believing in Jesus, or people are laughing at you when you go to a birthday party. And you're just you're talking about it and they make jokes about your faith. You may discern that media is representing news maybe a tiny bit one way and, and the Christian values are having less and less weight currently. It just seems to happening in front of our eyes. We may see all of this. You may experience the power of discouragement like Nehemiah did. So let's look into how Nehemiah responded when he heard of the opposition, all right? So firstly, Nehemiah prayed. He prayed. He prayed to his father and he cried out to God and he said, God, do something. See us. Prayer is so essential. Verse 9, we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. Pray first. How often in life is something happening to us or difficult circumstances and we forget to pray? Talking about myself too. And then it's all over, and then we're like, oh man, maybe I should have prayed. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. I do love you. <laughs> Let's learn to pray first. May God be the first go-to person we ever go to in life. Prayer is so essential. The enemy does not want you to pray. He knows how powerful it is. He will try every single thing to distract you. He, will bring, he distracts your thought life. Different things may happen in your life so you won't pray. Or he may even give you feelings of unbelief or hopelessness. So you don't pray. 
I think we can sometimes prepare the best sermon or we can um, have a really nice church service even or the pastoral care visitation team is doing an absolutely fantastic job to go out or we can share with our friends about God and we can do all of this. But if we do not pray, it won't be as effective because we are not building the church by our own hands, are we? We are building the church by his spirit. It's God who is doing it. So let's be prayerful people. Prayer will also help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Prayer will change your heart. It will align your thought life and your mind and everything you have inside you with Jesus and with what the Lord wants. He will give you confidence. He will give you discernment. And he will give you a passion in your heart to do his work for him. Can I challenge us a bit? I believe that we are living right now in an age in where many of us have calendars, maybe even on our phone and all of it, right? And we have structured meetings in and we got five minutes here and two minutes there. And Lord, okay, great. On Tuesday morning, I pray for five minutes and in the afternoon again for five minutes. And next week, Thursday, there is a prayer meeting. If nothing better comes up, I may even go there, right? And but from this, we are living our life. Can I really challenge all of us on this. If this is you a bit, or if you sometimes be like, oh man, I forget to actually include the Lord in your life, in everything we are doing, pray for that. Pray that he may help you in it. I believe prayer is so powerful when our lives are aligned to the prayer that we are praying. That in whatever we are doing, we are having the sight of the Lord in our mind constantly. So we pray constantly constantly no matter where we are and this is what nehemiah did his life was aligned to his prayer he committed his life to build this wall he was living in the purpose and the will of of the lord and when opposition then came and he prayed he could truly say he prayed wholeheartedly to the god to god so may our lives look like a living testimony that we are so prayerful in wherever we are whatever we do when we are working when we are talking to people when we are in the supermarket, may we always see the Lord at work and pray that he would open our eyes for him. And after Nehemiah prayed, he said in verse 14, Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Don't look to yourself. Look to God. Isn't that amazing? Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is good and awesome. Don't look to yourself. Look to God. The second thing that we could see what Nehemiah, how Nehemiah responded um, when he faced opposition, is that he knew his weapons. We need to know our weapons. Nehemiah got prepared. He took the opposition pretty serious. He didn't just laugh at it and didn't do anything. Neither did he run off in fear and didn't continue the work. No, he took it serious. But Nehemiah put his trust in God and he got equipped. He had his weapons ready and he kept on building that wall. That's what he was doing. It says in verse 16, From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spares, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other hand. You know how inconvenient that must have been? Have you ever tried to pick up rocks, stones with one hand? That must have just been so in the way. And yet Nehemiah knew, he knew that he had to be prepared for the battle. That they had to be ready and holding their weapons with one hand 
constantly being focused on the, on the war that could just happen right now to protect the Lord's work and at the same time keep on building his kingdom. He knew this, and this is exactly what they were doing. And the same counts for us today. Like, we are not, we are not fighting, fighting, like, for, for like, our stones and water. But we are fighting against the spiritual realm. It says in Ephesians 6 that we are not fighting against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is what we are fighting against. It may not be as visible to us that people now come running in here with swords and knives and guns and whatever. And praise God for that. But we all need to know that we are, that we are living in a spiritual battle. So we need to know our weapons and we need to use them and not to shovel them to the side and forget about it. So are we, do we know our weapons? So what are they? Our weapons are the armor of God. Let's look in Ephesians 6, 13 to 18. It says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, which you extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So let's look into it quickly what it means for us. The belt of truth. One of the de devil's favorite weapon is the lie, so truth will be distorted. Pray that the Lord will give you discernment and wisdom in your life to know the truth. Pray for that. The press prayer of righteousness. Satan tries to destroy your self-worth. He does not want you to know and understand your position in Christ. Because that's pretty powerful. But remind yourself of these promises. Remind yourself constantly who you are in Christ. Shoes for our feet, so we can share the good news of Jesus with boldness and with confidence. Pray that the Lord would give you boldness and confidence. And pray that when you do, when you go out in, in your day, in your everyday life, that you would actually go with open eyes to see. Who knows, maybe tomorrow in, in Mombaga in the supermarket, there's a person picking the milk up off the shelf at the same time with you. Who knows what could happen? How open are we for the Lord to use us? Shield of faith, let's commit ourselves to Christ so he will make us strong and give us faith when we are facing temptations and opposition. Faith is a gift. We can pray that the Lord will grant us more faith and give us more, more of this gift. That is beautiful. The helmet of salvation. How often do things start in our own mind? And we start believing lies, discouragement, fears, all of this. But pray the helmet of salvation over you so that the Lord would renew your mind and that you would stay focused on him and on what he is doing. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Are we reading the book? Are we reading scripture? Are we getting to know the truth? The word is the truth. The Bible is the truth. If we read the word and we are actively using it and doing it and living by it and praying over it, 
we, we won't just believe any weird lies that come our way. The Lord will equip us. And again, pray that the enemy does not want us to pray. It says at the end, pray on all occasions. May we be aligned with the Father and earnestly, earnestly pray to become more like him. This life here is not about us. It is not about how well we are doing to, to build a church or how well we are doing to how hard we are suffering for the name of Jesus in whatever country we are suffering in right now or doing. It's not about the hardship we need to necessarily feel, is it? It is about us aligning with the Lord in doing what he's asking of us in our life so he can do the work in and through us and empowering us. It is all about him. But the moment we forget him in it, it is all about our hands. And we really quickly can shoulder tap ourselves and forget about him. May we always be prayerful and align with God, coming under his authority and build his kingdom with him. And lastly, when Nehemiah heard about the opposition, he knew the power of unity in community. Verse 23, so neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Doing life in community is so powerful, isn't it? It wasn't Nehemiah building the wall on his own. It was all the people building the wall together. You are not alone when you are facing opposition. You need to know that you have brothers and sisters in Jesus who are there for you. This is why church is such a blessing. Who will hold your hand, who will encourage you, who will equip you, who will also correct you and hold you accountable. But let's do this life together. Let's walk together in perseverance towards this race in perseverance so we can actually see Jesus at the end of the day, hand in hand. How exciting is all of that? What we need to understand is that the Israelites were not building the wall for themselves. They were building the wall for all the future generations to come. They were building the wall also for us because it was Jesus also who came back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was God's city. It was God's place. The temple in Jerusalem, there was God's presence was dwelling inside that temple. That was their identity. This is where they looked at and it was all in ruins. Our home is no longer Jerusalem. Our home is God. And it is not about the building anymore. It is about this kingdom covenant. But we too are asked to build his kingdom here on earth. And we too are asked to pick up the rocks and to start building it together. Can you imagine what it would be like if all the believers right now in this world who believe in the name of Jesus would truly give up their lives, completely align with him, be prayerful people, know the word of God, actually read it, study it, let it transform their life and be willing to be used in this world for him in confidence and knowing their weapons. How quick a wall may go up. I pray, I don't know if you pray, but I pray that I would see revival happening in this lifetime. I pray that the church would just come up. We are not, we are not in a battle for now bricks and water, but we are in a battle for spiritual sons and daughters. That's what we are in a battle for, so that more people will get to know his name. That is our task. And yes, you will face opposition. Jesus faced opposition.
Paul says in, in the Bible that, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. It is so exciting that we can be here today and we can know that Jesus has done it all. He has. He has faced such strong opposition, not just even for all the work he was doing, but also for who he was because he was God on earth. I pray that we would all be able to take him as our example on how to live out our faith here in this world today. Trust God. Be prepared. And keep building his kingdom, his eyes fixed on Jesus, like Nehemiah did. The war went up a lot faster than anybody could participate. I would like to pray now for this area for Mambaka, for Little Hampton, for Nairn, for all of this right now. And I pray that the Lord would raise up his church and that we wouldn't do, be doing it by our own might and power, but by his. Amen. Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much that you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. God, thank you that you are using us to build your church. Lord, and it's so humbling. It's it's crazy to actually think about, Lord, how you partner with humans to, to represent your holy name here on earth, Jesus. But you are, and you have chosen that. So we praise you for it, Jesus. We pray right now for this country. We pray for Australia. And we pray for the Adelaide Hills here, Jesus, that you would help us to be your light in this area, in the world, Jesus. Help us to put you first in our lives, in all areas of our lives, Lord. Help us to commit our lives to you, Lord, to be aligned with your spirit, to pray constantly to you, Jesus, to include you every single moment in our lives, Lord. Jesus, I pray confidence and wisdom and discernment over our lives here, Lord, that we would know who you are. So when opposition comes, Lord, that we would know how to stand firm on your name, Jesus, that we would know our foundation in you, Lord, and that we can always believe in the truth. Jesus, for who you are and who you are to us, Lord. Lord, I pray in confidence that we would speak your word in confidence to other people, in love, Jesus. And that others would see, see us in the way how we love one another, Lord, and would ask questions of who this God is that we believe in. Lord, may we just be a living testimony for your glory, Lord. Help us to build this wall here, Lord Jesus. Help us to build your church. Thank you for Nehemiah and thank you for all that he has done. Jesus, thank you that we can look back as an example to him to be, yeah, how he kept on working for your kingdom despite opposition, Lord. May we do the same. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.